Hello and welcome to episode 26 of Entertainment of Excellence, the podcast where we talk about films, TV, all of it. Hi, I'm Ollie. I'm Tom. And I'm Ben. And today we're going to be talking about the 2018 film Upgrade. This will contain spoilers. So uh, we just watched the 2018 film Upgrade. Pretty cool. It is indeed. I think we all liked it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'll do a brief rundown of the plot. So it follows a man who uh, gets mugged by these mysterious men who kill his wife and then uh, paralyze him. So he becomes a quadriplegic. But he gets given a special chip by this spooky man who has a house that has no door and you can just walk in, but we'll talk about that later, uh, <laughs> who gives him a chip that can send his brain signal so he can move his limbs again. And the chip kind of starts talking to him and controls his actions and he goes around murdering uh, the people that killed his wife. Uh, and then, spoilers... Do we, actually, do we need to talk about the ending yet? Maybe not. <laughs> I, can, no. I can say the ending. Spoilers, it turns out the people were hired by the chip stem uh, to paralyze him so that then stem would be able to control them and stuff and like become a human. So there you go. That's the ending. Yep. And <laughs> he kills the guy that made stem. Oh, yeah, yeah. Him. That's true. A lot of people get killed. They do. At least two. <laughs> so, my thoughts on this film, I, I, I hadn't actually looked at the IMDb rating beforehand, which I know we, we talked about that last week in our special episode 25, but um, for some reason I had it in my head that it was quite low rated, so I, was, I actually went in this uh, thinking I wouldn't enjoy it. Yeah. But um, I was wrong. I did actually... As it started, I was thinking this this style was so good. I really liked. The, I mean, obviously, the, there's a lot of reds, as you can see from the poster, but the kind of cyberpunk environment. I didn't realize how low the budget was. So it's, it, it's estimated around five million US dollars. Um, but it, the world looks so good. There's a lot of cool gadgets, but it's not too far in the future. So it's kind of got a cyberpunk feel. And that yeah. that kind of drew me into it, and the soundtrack really benefited that with the kind of ambient uh, droning tones that really helped me get into it. So I think when you get start watching the film, that that atmosphere really draws you into it. Yeah, definitely. I think the fact that it was um, obviously set in the future in a very technologically driven world. But the fact that it it's not like Star Wars or something. It's um it's still grounded in reality and you could see a sort of future like this happening in say like forty, fifty years. It's 
like when when you when it says science fiction, it's like the most uh true definition of the word. I think it's like fiction that uh is sort of grounded in reality, and you know it's a lot scarier and more um intriguing for the viewer to think that this could uh or something like this could be able to happen in the the near future yeah because um, a lot of there's quite a bit of a mixture between things that we have now but sort of just more extreme like there's a scene where you see these people who have been in vr for like weeks and obviously the there's these futuristic car designs, um, but you sort of see how they don't always work. And the protagonist at the start has a, a car that you'd see now, just a regular car. And then even like the the chip and stem, it's not it's not been like fully integrated into society. It's still it still has to be hidden from everyone else, which sort of shows that it's not too unrealistic. And that's why it's so more frightening maybe because it's more imaginable yeah yeah uh that was the only thing that kind of nagged me about the world building was that the a lot of the cars were kind of from you know this year or older i felt like they could have made some of the cars a bit better because obviously they had like everyone had some kind of chip to identify them and they had police drones and things like that and uh gray had a very like quite a futuristic self-driving car although to be honest it doesn't look too dissimilar to the tesla Cybertruck. but yeah uh i felt like maybe it's just me that i mean it's literally just such a small thing like the cars are the cars are normal but that was just one thing yeah yeah um but i did i did like the idea of it kind of being a hidden chip that you couldn't reveal to anyone because you know the trials wouldn't be allowed but it then felt weird to me that they had these police drones going around and he kind of would get up out of his chair in broad daylight and not get caught I mean to, yeah. he does eventually get caught to be fair but at least instantly. I felt that yeah. was kind of weird um, the, the way he was so confident that he wouldn't get caught but it's the world building sort of shows that there are drones everywhere and I assume if it's like a, a logical progression of how our society is, then there'll be CCTV cameras, there'll be surveillance footage just about everywhere. Uh, and he's all the only sort of care he seems to take is when he's first starting out um, looking for the people who murdered his wife. He sort of looks up, sees a police drone then waits for it to pass and then gets up and just walks with no care in the world. That was a bit weird. I felt like he, he was far too careless for his own good and there wasn't really the consequences of that shown. I don't know. That That's like one, one of the main nitpicks I have with it. Yeah. yeah, I think a lot of the stuff about him like being able to walk again was underplayed a bit. Like There's a scene where his mum finds out and she sort of well she sort of underreacts. Like if you saw <laughs> yeah. your son who had yeah. to walk for however long and then he's just walking about. She was like an NPC away, in but... a game. Yeah. <laughs> she was like, uh, what? She's just like, what? But, okay. 
<laughs> I do want to move on to some good things because there were quite a lot of things I really liked. So we talked about the atmosphere and world, but the action was like really gripping and visceral, and I could always tell what was going on. Uh, and it was it was kind of more hand to hand combat with so only a few people around. You know that first one with uh, him letting Stem take over and fight the first guy, and then at the end like splitting his jaw was really like oh yeah Ooh. oh yeah that was quite Cronenberg-esque <laughs> yeah um, yeah but yeah it, it did seem really good and it, they did a kind of I don't, I don't know how they did it but the camera almost exactly followed like his head movements at oh points. yeah basically I listened to an interview with him and the, apparently they literally did that by just strapping an iPhone to him and then like letting the camera focus on but I thought it oh, was right. quite a unique style yeah. of filming the action but yeah I, cool. I also think they didn't do it excessively like they did it yeah. when it served its purpose but it wasn't like used all the time so you just got fed up with it yeah it was mainly used in action scenes when stem took over and that really helped enhance the fact that um it was the computer driving him and like Especially noises every time he moved. I loved it when, um, <laughs> when like he he's been ducking out of the way and then sort of gets back up. Other, but obviously the camera's focused on his perspective, so it looks like just the background's moving. That was yeah. I really yeah. liked that. Yeah. So yeah, a lot of the action was really cool. That kind of stuff. I also I also like um the fact that. Obviously, you can tell that the it's the chip that's controlling him at all times. And in the first sequence, he sort of has that look of, on his face that like, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, yeah, that, yeah. That can be a bit cheesy, and they they did that to an extent where it, it didn't get repetitive. Like sometimes it does a bit of venom. Yeah, which this so one thing we can talk about is that this is kind of very similar to venom in that. You know, something takes over this guy who looks very similar to Tom Hardy. Uh, it talks to him and uh, enhances his fighting abilities. But I, I would say it's a lot. It, it felt a lot better than Venom. Just the filmmaking yeah. and more stylistic, and it, it didn't have the kind of weird CGI Venom things fighting each other. But it. It you really used its budget well, like with the small, just the small robot arms in his apartment that were supposed to help him out. Um, the kind of the biological people with guns in their arms that that like gun arm thing was really that looked really good. I've I've only just started thinking about it, but the way that they kind of got their skin to go around and stuff, it looked really good. Yeah, um, that scene where the um the leader of that group sneezes and then. It like yeah goes onto the um well I don't even know it shoots out weird. nanobots that yeah. go oh, yeah. into this guy's nose and then cut up his brain completely unrelated but just some just a weird little thing I saw is do you remember when I can't remember what it was called um basically just Mark Zuckerberg came comes to yeah. the hospital and he's wearing a mask <laughs> and I'm like wait oh, this yeah. was 2018. Oh. <laughs> it was kind of spooky. Yeah, but he did say he wouldn't give him bird flu. Indeed. <laughs> um, the I've t- 
talked about the soundtrack a little bit, but there was also some interesting sound design things. So I was joking before about the kind of zoom noises <laughs> as he moved. I, mm. I, for, I know it, it should probably have been cheesy, but I liked it for some reason. Yeah. Um, this is one of those films where it really does harken back to the kind of 80s visceral sci-fi that after seeing this, I really want more of. I feel like it was kind of like an action-based long Black Mirror episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I feel like I want more because I've actually been looking at cyberpunk stuff recently anyway so this was a kind of a great thing to watch at uh this time for me it's just it's definitely a product of things what's come before it and it embraces a lot of elements from other films in the genre but it, it also is very uh it comes up with loads of new concepts and new uh, ways of filming action which are quite revolutionary i guess something that i heard the director saying was that he thought the thing, you know, how it opened with like a narration rather than credits. Oh yeah, I like that. He thought that was going to be like the big takeaway rather than the f- way the action was filmed. How so? Quite interesting. I don't really know. I thought that what was, was just the like a at the start. I don't remember it. It was basically just, um, you know, when films open and it's like X Productions presents. A Y film. Oh yeah, yeah. That was upgrades. I didn't really know what it was. <laughs> that I had to. Uh, that I remember that now, but I ignored it because at the start my, my internet was being really weird, so the resolution was terrible. So I was fiddling around with <laughs> stuff trying to get it <laughs> nice. to be normal again. <laughs> but yeah, I remember that now. That was kind of weird. Yeah. But not um, groundbreaking, I'm sorry. I just thought it was stylistic because <laughs> no. I knew because yeah, I, thought... I knew beforehand that he was going to become a quadriplegic and have have become mugged and like become really disabled. So I thought that was just going to be like sort of just the, the AIs talking to him, like telling him yeah. stuff and just the sort of stylistic yeah. thing, sort of like you I know, think it you was know, in the voice of. Yeah. I think it was in the voice of the you know the AI that was helping him around the house. Yeah, yeah. I think it was that one. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what that was called. I didn't. I yeah. I'd I'd be interested to see why he thought that would be the main takeaway. I thought it was literally just a crazy credit. Yeah. <laughs> like not yeah. not some huge philosophical bombshell. Just like the director having a bit of fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I really liked that opening. Oh no, the opening was a uh, it was him fixing the cars, wasn't it? Yeah, I was kind of waiting for him to already just be paralyzed from the waist down, but <laughs> I was he has wrong. Some. But I think the first bit was just cool of him, you know, showing his job and going to the spooky Mark Zuckerberg man whose yeah. house is below two rocks. But I really, I really do want to talk about the fact that this guy doesn't have a door. <laughs> that really <laughs> yeah. annoyed me, like, because he, he just war- wanders in later on in the film and shoots two guys. <laughs> Because he doesn't have yeah, a door. Like, he wants to be like, just a really on a secretive. Beach, like, what if you were just walking on the beach and you just end up in someone's house backs? Yeah, he said he's not like talked to people for however many years. <laughs> Maybe it's yeah. a private beach. I don't know. But to be fair, it just felt so weird to me. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But it did... It did feel a lot like the Ex Machina house, if you've ever seen Ex Machina. 
that kind of tech guru style place. Mm. Um, but I mean, so the inside was cool, but get a better door. That's what I wanted to tell him. <laughs> um, it was. It had some interesting ideas in there that maybe could have been explored a tiny bit more. Like uh, the ending could have been. I think it was actually a really good ending of um, Gray being stuck inside his own head that maybe yeah. could have been shown more than the impact of it because you kind of see it and you're like, oh yeah, I guess that's what's happened. But <laughs> you don't yeah. think about it that much. It's got the kind of Inception feel, like the, at the end of Inception yeah. is um, Cobb dreaming. Does it really matter if he's dreaming, et cetera, et cetera. Because obviously the, the people with VR in the uh, hacker's house or whatever who just wanted to escape the real world. Yeah. And well, I always think that's an interesting idea. What I usually do when I've finished a film, is, especially for the podcast, is I'll reread the plot on Wikipedia, just so I've like reinforced it in my head. Um, and basically at the end of this, it was saying that um, he's happy in his own head and stuff. But I, I couldn't tell if it's just me, but he didn't like he looked happy because he was seeing his wife but it also looked like he was aware he was dreaming i thought there was going to be a twist yeah. like where he doesn't want to stay in his own head and he's like no wait you're dead things are bad are happening in real life but like well there was a brief flash to that earlier in the film wasn't there to yeah. that scene so I, I see what you mean when he sort of has that distrust on his face and sort of questioning it yeah it, mm. it seems like you were meant to yeah i, I i'm getting i'm being quite specific in my nitpicking purely because i don't actually have that many um but the yeah here i just felt you meant to accept that he's happy in his own head but i think it was maybe an acting or possibly direction thing that he just he didn't look like he was he wanted to stay there it looked like he was sort of halfway between deciding do i stay here or do i not um maybe like a few like an extra shot of him because you know when stem through his body says that he's his mind's broken he's happy in his own his own dream it'd have been good if there was like another shot afterwards where he was like laughing and happy with his wife or something just to reinforce that but I mean, I guess if you're comparing it to like the ending of Inception, there's always that ambiguity regarding whether he would be happy and if whether he does know if it's reality or not. Yeah. yeah. Uh, another thing that a theme that kind of propped up and maybe wasn't explored too much was the whole idea. I mean, even though it literally feels like the plot of the film, but the idea of computers replacing stuff humans can do. Because it's suggested by the Mark Zuckerberg guy, but he's got such like an evil voice that you instantly <laughs> know yeah. whose side to be on. But it, it's it's it is a difficult question, I think, about you know he's saying that this computer can do you know everything a person can do, but it's not really explored about you know what what are the limitations? Should there be limitations on what computers can do? Will you know that's always an in, been an interesting idea to me, and I just wish it hadn't been something said by the evil blonde man. Yeah, well, I guess know. the stem like 
uh, surpasses his intellect and influence at the end. And then you sort of, his goal, the stem's motive was to kill him so that he couldn't have any rivals. So, I mean, that's sort of implying that it's like an autonomous uh, being that you wouldn't really have any other technology to rival it. But mm. Mm. I think, I guess it is kind of shown through, you know, it kind of shows him being able to move is like an amazing thing for him. So that's the good sides. But then also, if you get a robot to help you walk again, they might just kill loads of people. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And it's, but I think it is an interesting message of, uh, for example, the scene where he's kind of going like, is it me that's moving my limbs or is it you talking to STEM about that? Uh, and that's kind of like a almost philosophical concept of if a quadruple did get a, some kind of help in their brain to send signals to their limbs again, is it really them doing it? Uh, and does it matter? Yeah. Uh, and I think one important thing to think about when implementing chips to help people move again is to not give it artificial intelligence. Yeah, you yeah. need to be. I think that's totally a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, it will take over. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I definitely saw what you mean about. Um, it was sort of mentioned in passing the uh, the effects it could have on wider society. Um, because there was there was a really great line um, where Mark Zuckerberg was introducing STEM, and uh, the main guy Gray was like, "You see the future. I see ten people on an unemployment line." I thought that was yeah, yeah. quite powerful. Yeah. You know, where will the workers go? Will they be pushed below or something? <laughs> what a reference! <laughs> but, um, the, the final scene of. Uh, him walking off with STEM in full control, I think it's really cool. And although they're obviously leaving it open-ended, I don't usually say this, but I, I probably would maybe like to see maybe a sequel, but maybe like another film exploring the universe deeper because it it feels like a, a nice closed story of one individual, but it, it definitely feels like there's a bigger picture. That, yeah, uh, well, I see, I see what you mean. Is... Oh? A TV series that may be happening. Uh, so the director specifically said that he didn't want to do a sequel, and then but then I think the producer of also someone from Blumhouse said something about maybe funding a TV series that was going to be set afterwards. Um, I I do have the, the details. Sorry, it where where is it? It was going to be set a few years after with an evolved version of STEM, uh, and the government is using STEM as a way to curb criminal activity. Oh, so that actually sounds... I don't know if it means using STEM to control people to stop them doing crime, which is kind of like um, the Netflix film that came out recently that is apparently awful but had a cool concept of last, physically oh, stopping... Of, yeah, last days of American right, crime, yeah. of physically stopping people doing crime. Or it could mean uh, a kind of RoboCop-esque thing of giving these police officers STEM to combat crime. But So the world may be revisited 
because the director did say he'd do it if he was given enough money. <laughs> I think. <laughs> nice. Um, but yeah, it it was. I think I do like the the whole world and the world of upgrade. I mean, uh, <laughs> and it would be nice to see it revisited. I do like those little drones and all the kind of Alexa, but more things yeah I, yeah i i do like the whole vibe of it and i want it to show more of kind of you see a lot of run down areas but gray was a very wealthy guy and i yeah it'd be interesting to see how that kind of happened because another thing it kind of just briefly goes over is one of the biological gun men people uh <laughs> says to gray's wife uh, who get? Uh, I'll talk about that later. But he says, like, um, I bet you just see a piece of uneducated scum or something to her. Oh yeah, and kind of the way that different class can change perception of people is also an interesting idea. But it'd be cool to show how that happened. You know, it, I assume it is some kind of unjust system. Yeah. Now, um, I, yeah. now I think about it. Like, when the film started, I figured that was going to be a larger theme in the film. Because, obviously, if you've got something present at the start, then you'd think that it would be revisited in the later in the film. But it's sort of just... Chekhov's gun and all that. Yeah. Um, basically, yeah, just here, it's, it brushes over that, that line where he's like... <clears throat> You look at me and see a piece of dirt on your shoe. Um, it would have been cooler if that was ex explored more, but I guess if they're going to do a TV series based on it, that still could happen. Yeah, so. I think that is referenced later because when Grey comes to track down all the killers, uh, I think that guy who was like the leader of the group, but obviously he's like low down in the hierarchy with. Zuckerberg, and then above that is the stem. I think he's sort of saying that the technology has empowered them. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's definitely a really interesting concept because although we see the, the harm that technology has done in this society, it has enabled a lot of people to benefit, whether that be through yeah. the physical limitations that they've overcome or like uh, whether they've been able to like fulfill a purpose because um you know they they were perceived in a certain way beforehand but now that they've got this technology sort of like improve their own life yeah. yeah um just before we've said like all the good things about it i'm slightly worried because i, I do have a few criticisms i want to say and because you two are talking about them i don't know if maybe it's just me but um so I just want to go through them quickly because I, I did actually really enjoy this. I just want to say things I felt like it could be improved. So I felt like the the plot was kind of you you knew what was going to happen the whole way. I I knew that it would be either Stem or Mark Zuckerberg that had paid those guys to uh, paralyze him, and yeah. the idea of you know someone hurting someone or killing someone's wife, which is I mean, a female character getting killed off at the start is uh, something called fridging, which seems to happen a lot, is, which is where a female character is 
sole purpose is to get killed to spur on the usually male protagonist, um, which did happen here. But you know, fair enough. <laughs> it, yeah, it always seems to kind so. of get helped. But so the the plot was kind of normal. I felt which for such a stylistic film which is kind of unique in its presentation it would be even better if it had a unique plot but to be to be honest i think the style holds it up a lot the amazing action and cinematography and world building really holds up the kind of basic story so don't worry about the story too much i just think it could have been um a bit better and i mean like the twist and reveal at the end Although it was a bit predictable, I also felt that it was a bit rushed that they sort of went, oh, it was actually Mark Zuckerberg that was in control, and then straight away it's like, oh, no, I was being controlled by the technology. I don't yeah. feel like it wasn't as impactful because they sort of just glossed over the, the first twist. And there are there a few, like, cheesy moments that were borderlining a bit too much of Adam-esque, like when uh, he was beating up those guys in the bathroom and kind of said a few like snarky one liners or something. I was like, oh no, don't don't do this. <laughs> it, oh yeah. It, it just felt a bit off tonally. But um you know I, I think mostly the dialogue was good. But it's just, you know, a few examples of a weak ish plot and some moments that were slightly off tonally. But that does it take away from like everything else which is amazing so we talked about a lot of things but another thing i think I should mention is the pacing is it's probably one of the best pacing of a film's uh, one of the best pacing for a film that i've seen for quite a long time mm. there's no unnecessary scenes uh i, I mean it's, it's an hour and 40 minutes so it's fairly short anyway but you you know you go through that at breakneck speed it doesn't feel any longer than your standard 50 minute black mirror episode for example despite it being yeah. twice the length. So the... Because the way... It's an interesting process the director did. It looks like he intentionally shopped around the smaller studios for this film, even though he knew he could probably get a bigger budget because he, he co-created like the Saw franchise and stuff like that, but that was just when he was a writer. Uh, so he made sure to get a kind of small budget and kept shaving off scenes or, or parts that meant they could save budget. Um, and what it gives is this really like tight, well-paced film. So, although it's the plot may not be the best, it's you know you really blast through it, and you it helps the kind of breakneck speed of the action with the breakneck speed of the plot. You know, it it, it is a really fun ride. Like this is a film where if you don't enjoy it while watching it, I I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. know why you wouldn't enjoy it. One thing about the pacing that I noticed was there's like the scene where the scientist's trying to take back uh, control because he's like being rebellious and he's fighting against the killers of his wife and he doesn't want anyone to know about the chip. And then so Mark Zuckerberg starts to take back control and then Stem's trying to tell Gray to go to the hacker uh, and like that scene, it it just felt like they didn't have to dwell on it for ages. It probably lasted about ten to fifteen minutes, and it was quite important to the plot. But it was just like that was an example where I thought the pacing was really good. Mm. Mm. 
Yeah, they didn't spend any unnecessary time, and like the hacker character, I guess, was. You can make an argument the hacker was a bit one-dimensional, but to be fair, they didn't really need any more dimensions to them, given they're just there to serve the purpose that, um, well, to repair STEM, and then obviously ultimately give it autonomy. Um, yeah, because because able the input guards. Because when you look back at it, the whole thing that STEM was trying to gain autonomy sort of makes sense. And you're like, well, why didn't I see this? I think, as you said, some parts of the plot were quite predictable, but I think that uh, was executed very well. Um, the whole thing about disabling the input guards and he's in a panic and he can't write it, uh, write stuff down and he's not really questioning anything and because he doesn't have any technical experience, I felt like that was that was cool to think that really STEM was controlling all this stuff from all along. Yeah, yeah. but I think it helped. It wasn't overly predictable because it did feel like it was always like a companionship or cooperation between Grey and STEM. Like mm. at the start when it's revealed that STEM can actually speak and then it always feels like although STEM is instructing Grey on the best, well, like the most efficient ways to fight it feels like although obviously gray's not always in control it, it doesn't feel like um stems taking over until the end yeah yeah uh i don't know i kind of felt like it was something that was always going to go awry because obviously stem does just murder a guy <laughs> uh, so i was kind of when that happened i was like yeah stem's gonna do some bad stuff yeah, but uh, I don't know. I guess it it depends. I don't think, as I said, I still really enjoyed it, even though I could kind of tell where things were gonna go. I think it's still enjoyable. Well, I guess that's the thing of like the um, technology by itself needs a host to be powerful, and then so that's why it's creating the idea that they can't ever really take over because they're reliant on humans to start off with. It's only after Grey sort of emotionally breaks down, but that's because of himself that the technology is able to take over entirely. Yeah, yeah that, that that is quite an interesting idea. And another thing I just thought of is kind of, so you've got the technologically enhanced people with like the guns in their arms and they've got great fighting abilities. Um, and they they wanted to have a kind of group of upgraded people, the squad, as they were saying. They wanted to recruit Gray, um, but STEM specifically wanted to stop any other computers gaining control. And I don't know if that was supposed to kind of show that humans are more likely to try and stick in groups, and then the kind of computers just want to make themselves more powerful I, yeah. I don't know if I'm maybe reading too much into things but that was that was an interesting thing I thought yeah. yeah what did you think about the acting because I felt that like, I, I didn't really know any of the actors I don't think and that times were slightly unconvincing or a bit inconsistent but I know that 
with Gray, it's always the question, is it him or is it the artificial yeah. intelligence taking control? Yeah, I, I mean... Like... Oh, go on. <clears throat> I liked Gray, and I also liked the uh, detective, and I, th- I think his actor of his mum was serviceable. I mean, didn't have too much to do. You've seen a lot of concerned mothers... But, I mean, as we said, she did look very shocked when she could see her son walking, but that's probably a direction thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's just a few, obviously, like the... Yeah, the Mark Zuckerberg guy was just a bit too evil. (laughs) So I think maybe some performances were a bit over the top, I would say, but nothing that was immersion-breaking. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we'll talk a bit more about this in a minute, it had a quite a small budget, and it seemed like a lot of that went into the the cinematography and the effects, um, which I think for this movie was a really good choice. Um, so obviously yeah. they didn't have like the biggest high profile actors. Um, I don't think anything was bad. There were, as you said, there were definitely some points where it seemed a bit iffy. I think to be, I think to be fair on the mother that. Like she could have been a great actor, but the the lines and direction she had was just there wasn't anything. Like, what I can't remember a single line she said throughout the whole movie. Um, Yeah. And then, as I as I said earlier with Gray, um, there's I thought he was good. He was um, the actor sort of suited him throughout the film. The only bit that I did feel in was very iffy was right at the end when um he's meant to be happy in his dream world and it didn't l- look like he was happy um in, to be like I, fe- I felt that he that could have been a direction thing to be fair but yeah he could have looked a lot happier there could have been another shot showing him that he's like happy in his dream world whereas he's sort of it looked like he was in between. He looked like if it was another film, it'd be that critical moment in the climax where he's deciding, "Do I stay here or do I go back and help the real world?" Um, it looked mm. like that sort of thing, but here it uh, just a bit iffy. But the but yeah, let's talk about the budget because we've seen various figures around the internet, and I don't think anyone knows exactly how much. Um, seen on Wikipedia, it says three million dollars. Um, seen five million dollars floating around as well. But like the point to take away is it really wasn't that much. And didn't you say that he actively like reduced the budget as the uh, script progressed or something? Yeah, there were some things yeah. that they were doing it for budget cuts, and then he felt later on it had helped. So, like the initial surgery of putting stem in was going to be done with robot arms and then they changed the script so that it was people doing it yeah and uh wanol is that is it sorry wanol that's it right yeah wanol lee wanol said that he felt like that was actually a better uh choice he enjoyed Mm. he because it it wasn't too futuristic yeah i mean i i knew that it was a low budget before i went in i I told you as well didn't i ben yeah, but you did. I can definitely see why 
if you just watched it, you, you wouldn't think like you wouldn't think, oh, this is a low budget film. No, I do. Yeah. When when Ollie told me what the budget was, I was like, wow, <laughs> really? Because <laughs> it was. I was I was actually thinking while watching. I was like, these effects are are really good. Like the robot arms and the drones and everything look really good. There was this gorgeous um, shot earlier in the early in the film. I think it was this was before he became a quadriplegic, where it just showed that the sort of the city and the drones flying. Like, yeah, yeah, that was good. I I, I loved that shot. That was also the, the shots of Mark Zuckerberg's house were quite beautiful as well. Yeah, yeah, the rocks door, but... and stuff. Yeah. So shout out to Stefan Duskio. Good job on your cinematography. Indeed, because it was good. Um, and after seeing this, I I was interested in what other things he directed because it be, I felt you know the direction was good, so I wanted to look at it. But he's this was, he's not really done anything else. He's done, he done one thing before it which I've forgotten, and then one film after. Oh, the, what he'd done before was he directed like Insidious Chapter 3 or something. And then he's done this film. And then, um, oh, uh, sorry, The Invisible Man, which came out last year, which I think he also wrote, which oh, I've heard has a lot. It's Australian got Elizabeth Moss in it. Is it? Pardon? That was, meant to, was that that Australian indie sort of horror film? Uh, I don't know if it's. I think it's Lee Wannell that's Australian. I'm not. I'm not sure, because I think someone said that Upgrade was Australian. <laughs> so it's probably Lee Wannell, but it's supposed to be better than people expected. So yeah, uh, it's got seven point one. I assume Elizabeth Moss is really good in it because she is a really good actress. She's been in, like Handmaid's Tale, uh, Mad Men, and a few other things that you can probably find. And that I'm pretty sure I heard that that has good direction of kind of showing empty space to scare it so the directing is supposed to be good in that but again it's the plot that's a bit weaker so i'd be interested to see if because he wrote and directed that as well i'd be interested to see if lee wannell maybe goes just fully into directing or to be fair i mean it's, it's you know the dialogue's good and everything so maybe if he works on his writing a bit more he'll come out with I have a feeling he's going to come out with a really good film in the future. Yeah, he's definitely yeah. one to um, watch. Yeah, so that that'd be interesting. Pursue like a a sequel, but it's the producers or other people working on it that do. Yeah, well, you know, money. <laughs> um, should we wrap up and give it a rating? Indeed. Yeah. So okay. what? <sighs> Well, this one's quite difficult because we've said quite a lot of negative things about it, but they weren't necessarily things I thought when watching it. Mm. Yeah, I think a lot of the stuff was in retrospect. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, it's by no means perfect, obviously. We've given the stuff we don't like. I've been very specific with a couple of nitpicks. Um I'm gonna go. I'm also slightly biased, given I I like the cyberpunk genre and the sort of philosophical questions of like how um sort of how much in control a human is when 
they become fused with the machine. Um, I'm gonna go high seven. Um, this is hard. Um, I think <laughs> I was about to say something about Nightcrawler, but I've actually can't remember much about Nightcrawler since we watched it, <laughs> and it's only been a couple episodes ago. Um, mm. What did I rate Marriage Story? I think I enjoyed it more than Marriage Story. Seven point oh. six. Uh, seven point seven. In par with you, and never really here. Yeah, that's fair. Cool. Yeah. Um. So I did think it was really good, but maybe not on the same level. So Ooh. I don't think it was on par with Nightcrawler. I've got to decide. See, the problem is. Fear and Loathing is so low down for what I would put. And I'm trying to think, like, I don't think it's as good as that, which would put it way lower for you two, but not for me. <laughs> yeah. Um. So Can... I need to try and decide. I think also Good Time as well. I think it's better than Good Time, but not as good as... No, I don't think it's as good as Good Time, but I think it's better than The Social Network, although I gave them both the same. <laughs> so uh <laughs> let me think what did i give okay i'm gonna give it a seven point three final Ooh. answer <laughs> Ooh, i agree with ben i'm gonna i really did like this and i thought it had a really good style the story wasn't always the best it was at times a bit predictable but I think it's, well, like, Nightcrawler, as you were saying, I haven't really thought about it much since, for some reason. Whereas I feel like this film is pretty memorable. It explored some very cool themes as well. So I'm going to go with a 7.8. Ooh, that's interesting, because I actually really enjoyed the themes and things of Nightcrawler, and I have actually thought about it since, so... I, I don't know, maybe it's just different time, opinions. But... I don't know why, I just... I'm not sure. I, I just feel like the bad guy now. <laughs> For eight, yeah. Cool. I mean, well, it's not even that much lower. <laughs> well, it's now a 7.6. That's on par with the interview. Uh, slightly under you and everybody really here. Yeah, I think that seems about right. Um, Above No Country for Old Men. <laughs> what did Go I on, give man. No Country for Old Men? I think I gave it quite we, low. You were meany. No, 7.4. That's not right. Fair enough. <laughs> <clears throat> cool. So, um, before Tom rushes onto the recommendations, I'm going to quickly talk about the submission spotlight. Um, unfortunately, last week's fell through because the game we were going to be um, looking at. The designer's Twitter account got suspended for some reason, so fortunately we didn't get that done. But if you create any type of entertainment media, if that's like short films, games, books, stories, music, whatever, um, send it in and we'll dedicate a 10-minute segment to you. And most of all, we'd love to have you on to talk about it rather than just like... Uh, look at it from a third-person perspective. It'd be cool to see how see what the creator has to say about it. So, 
and that doesn't have to be live we could pre-record that whenever you'd be interested so if you if you'd be interested in coming on the podcast or just having us discuss your work you can contact us via our website which is entertainmentofexcellence.weebly.com or just dm us on twitter or instagram which are both at your podcast so that is cool it is i like how you said uh don't rush on to the recommendations tom but i, I don't actually have any this week Ooh. <laughs> uh, so I, I i didn't i could probably think of one but, but i can think of I didn't have one originally, but now I'm thinking about it. I've kind of got one. Um, yeah, same with me. So, well, I'll go first before I forget. Um, so basically, when I was watching this film, um, it reminded me a lot, well, A, of Black Mirror, um, but also I'm going to recommend a YouTube channel called Dust, which basically it's a great thing to subscribe to because it releases um, sort of like short films, short sci-fi films from like, I think it's anyone just between like students and sort of just independent filmmakers who are doing it for like passion projects and want a bit more exposure. So it's got like, I can't remember, I think it's got like a million subscribers or something, but I hardly ever see it mentioned online, even in like sci-fi circles, so um, it's, it's cool. Um, I'm trying to think of one, a couple of shorts that I really liked. Um, it, so it, it's basically just, it doesn't uh, distrib- it doesn't make the films itself, it's essentially just sort of a platform for filmmakers to get more uh, exposure. Oh, I've got a playlist here of some of the ones I like the most um, look Damn, a, I need to yeah these look good there's a great one called Deep Clean which is sort of like a, a comedy but that's also um, obviously sci-fi about these like people who work in underground and this teenager's gone joined them and he doesn't know what's going on uh, set in Yorkshire so Oh, yeah, I actually recognise the guy on the thumbnail. He's been in... Yeah, oh, the, the opening music is such a bop. Um, <laughs> just looking through other stuff I liked. The Fisherman was good. Um, there's also... Oh, there's, there's one here called The Time Agent, which I remember watching and I remember enjoying, but I can't actually remember anything about it. I'm going to have to go back through these. So, yeah, basically, just... There's there's absolutely loads here. There's almost definitely going to be someone something for everyone, and it's two million subscribers. Uh, it's, yeah. They usually release about one one or two every week, so got a constant stream like, of content. Does it? It looks like you Never like all heard. the horror ones. So I'm I'm gonna look at quite a few. Is it one of those got Nancy from Stranger Things in it? These are damn. I need. To... How have I not no. heard of this? Yeah, it's it's great. Um, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll yeah, it, they they've gotten like a near endless supply. Tell you what, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go even more, and I'm gonna give two recommendations to <gasps> make up for the lack of ones I've had. There's a similar channel that's very much like this 
called Crypt TV, and it's like pretty much the same but for horror. Except they also have, I think, the difference between Crypt TV and Dust is Dust is a distributor, and Crypt TV makes their own stuff, so they've kind of got like some series. Um, I haven't actually been watching a lot of it recently, but they used to have uh, a really good series called uh, The Look See. That was kind of creepy and cool, which had like segments that were like five minutes um, and then like had seasons of like five of those and then gave like a, a super cut that's like 20 minutes long. It's cool. So nice. Crypt TV and Dust are two YouTube channels to subscribe to. Cool. I think um, even though I said I don't have any recommendations, I just thought, thought of a few things I can talk about. Um, so I watched Karate Kid for the first time yesterday. I know it's an 80s classic, and it was actually was different any... to what I thought. I, I, there's the karate's all like right at the end, but I, it felt like just really comforting, and the pacing is like really 80s pacing. I don't know how to describe it, but it's a lot slower than this film, but it just kind of felt nostalgic and comforting, even though I hadn't seen it before. <laughs> Um, is there any Indonesian Panjaks? I think it's quite fun. No, it was all karate. Uh, I'm not watching it. But, <laughs> but I think it's it's definitely en- enjoyable. I don't know. It's pretty good. Um, and another thing is, I've recently been playing a lot of Hotline Miami, uh, 2 specifically. And that has a really interesting fan community that do a lot of fan films. And mm. the ways that people interpret the Hotline Miami universe and the ways that they do the short films are always really different. So I think if just looking at anything to do with Hotline Miami, because it's such a unique game, it's really stylistic and its story is interesting. And it's got like the soundtrack is amazing. You'll probably heard of the soundtrack before, to be honest. Yeah, a I kind of 80s synthwave thing. Um, so just check out like a few fan films if you want to see what people are doing. I, I think that there's a lot of interesting stuff to watch. Nice. Uh, um, well, I watched Birdman a couple of weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Uh, which is, yeah, it's pretty good. I, th- I like the, it's basically does it like a one-shot take pretty much throughout the whole film apart from the end. And if you don't know, it's about this um, washed-up superhero actor who's making a play. It's all about like the conflicts that he's having with his family and with his friends. But mm. it's all over the course of well, it's like a few days. And it just follows his story, but it's got a really cool directing. Yeah, I really liked it, and the kind of like the soundtrack is really good as well. The yeah, drums plays so, on like a lot of natural elements. Yeah, groovy, nice. So, um, not really much else to say. Initially, yeah, a little bit early. I think we, I think we well, deserve that. What after we're doing the... next week. That is true, <gasps> because last week we made the awful mistake of not saying um, what we're going to be doing this week. 
So this next, if you look, if you're subscribed to the mailing list, which you absolutely should, because it gives you access to our schedule, you'd have seen that episode twenty-seven is Fantasia, the Disney film from nineteen forty. Except that we, like, uh, we've got quite a busy week coming up. This, uh, not this week, but the one after. So we're gonna use our backup episode called. Uh, called where we reviewed the Irishman so that's uh, a groovy film to watch it's a Netflix original um, so you're gonna have to get Netflix or to watch it if you don't have Netflix it obviously has the trial so you can uh, watch it that way Um, it is a very long film so uh, and we we will discuss in the episode about um, how we watched it as essentially a mini series. Might end up tweeting and putting on Instagram that the image that we used. Um, but it's it's a really long film, but it's kind of worth it, I guess. Um, so yeah, go and watch that, and we'll discuss it next week. Or have discussed it and yeah. released the recording. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on podcast platforms and go on our social medias and subscribe to the mailing list. I'm awful at saying like and subscribe, so there you go. Give us feedback. That's a good one. We'd love any feedback because we're still relatively new, even though we've done 26 episodes now. So, thanks for listening. All right, see you. All right, see you. Yeah, that's it.